There is a parenting movement afoot, and if you're not aware of it yet, you probably will be soon. Dr. Becky Kennedy is a clinical psychologist and author of the book Good Inside. She's issuing parenting advice to a whole new generation of parents, your adult kids, who are absorbing her words like a thirsty plant. And if you are ever tasked to watch your grandchildren, I suggest you read her book before you head out the door. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we're going to talk about gentle parenting. I've invited another guest, Dee Dee of More Than Grand, to join us as well. But before we get started, I would like to invite you to join the conversation by commenting on our new Grand Life Podcast Fans Facebook page. I ask questions there, and I'd love to hear from you. Also, feel free to call us and leave voicemail at 317-572-7876 or email us at grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. Okay, first of all, welcome back, Didi. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to get to chat with you guys again. Yeah, you know, wow, you've been pretty busy this holiday season. You're offering some kind of like holiday guide for new grandparents. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, holidays can be such stressful times for families, especially when you have another generation added to the mix. So we created a grandparent's guide to happy holidays to help relieve some of that stress. Um, It's got two aspects. One is over 10 pages of advice on how to handle some of the expectations that create tension, Mm. like holiday visits and meals. And then there's also a bundle of spreadsheets to help you get yourself and your whole family organized and you can find that at morethangrand.com slash shop. Well, that's, I hope people will take advantage of this offer because it's great information. I mean, if your Thanksgiving time didn't go as planned or isn't going to go as planned last time or this time, maybe you can grab this resource now and make it right before the next winter holidays arrive. <laughs> so here's, Absolutely. Yeah, and here's another suggestion um, that we're going to talk about today. Read Dr. Becky's book, Before the Grands Get in Town for the Next Family Gathering. It's going to really make for a good conversation. Well, I think it's going to be a good conversation starter if your adult kids have been hearing about or even implementing Dr. Becky's parenting strategies. So, Dee Dee, maybe you can sum up what we're going to talk about today. Gentle parenting, related to conscious parenting or positive parenting, different terms for a really similar philosophies. They each have their own gurus and experts, but they're all an evidence-based philosophy for fostering the qualities you want in your child by being compassionate and enforcing consistent boundaries. It's, it's not permissive parenting. You're still enforcing boundaries, um, but you instead of focusing on your child's behavior you focus on their emotions and help them to learn to regulate themselves. So the idea is that by being gentle when a child is angry or frustrated or acting out, parents are modeling tolerance and flexibility and teaching them how to be humans in the in the world that they're going to be living in. So for example, if your toddler grabs a toy from their baby brother instead of sternly telling them they can't play with that right now, A gentle approach would be to say, I know it's hard when somebody's playing with something you want. You'll be able to play with the car when Robbie's done, but would you like to draw a picture while you wait? So you're in, you know, you're still enforcing the rule that we don't grab, Mm -hmm. but your response shows you understand their feelings and you're modeling how to handle difficult situations. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think that is the idea of good inside is that we assume that our grands are acting from a good place. They're good inside, even when their behavior doesn't match what's going on on the outside. So 
Like maybe Absolutely. they have some unmet need, some kind of something that we don't even understand and we have to ask them. Now, you know, some people would say that that's not permissive parenting, but it's like, do we have to have a conversation with a kid every time we want them to do something? Like it seems like it's hard, like it would be a difficult kind of parenting. Would you agree? Absolutely. It is a difficult kind of parenting. And and the parents who are who are doing it well are are um are really putting themselves through a lot of work. Yeah. But the rewards are definitely worth it. And and um I saw that myself when I the last time I took care of my grandchildren, they're two, four, and six at the time. And I focused on this philosophy and stopped trying to control their behavior, which was how I parented. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the behavior, this is what you do. And it didn't really change the way they behaved. I mean, they were still a, you know, spicy two-year-old and a a defiant four-year-old and a six-year-old who had his own way of doing everything. But I was so much less frustrated. It was, it was hard work, but it also, I didn't get upset with them because I was understanding that they were acting the way they should. Dee Dee, do you think this forced you inside the mind of the child in a way that was different? Absolutely. You know, it, it forced me inside their mind, which I don't think I ever did as a parent. I wasn't thinking about their emotions. I was only thinking about the way they were behaving and whether or not that was in line with the rules of our family and household and society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to think about it from their perspective was really a big shift for me. And uh, it was, it made me, allowed me to connect with them instead of trying to control them. And that, that was a, a big, made a huge difference. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because she talks about um, kind of self-regulation that children need to learn. And that's not natural for them when they're really little. It's really hard for them to regulate themselves. But she's also talking about adult self-regulation. Like we need to regulate ourselves. And so I think I've found myself in my own experience as grandparenting, where I'll have to like pause and breathe and be like, okay, what are we doing here? What, what, you know, do, is it just that I want to get something accomplished and I want to get it done and I don't want to deal with them when they're a little bit squirrely? Or, you know, is it that I really care about what they're thinking and what they're doing? And I think the hardest thing for parents or grandparents who have been parented differently is that that's not our go-to. That's not our natural bent. And so it's easy for us to lose our own self-regulation when it comes to that. And we can't expect that. Of We can't expect two-year-olds to be able to regulate themselves. Absolutely not. And so what we do want to do is model to them the flexibility, the understanding, so that as they get older and get in touch with their feelings that they can regulate them. But first they have to understand them. And that's what we do with a two-year-old. Right. Try to explain that. You know, it's interesting that all three of us have talked about how we were brought up with a traditional authoritarian model, which is different than an authoritative model. You mentioned that, you know, Dr. Becky is not saying that we can't be authoritative. We can't say, okay, you're not going to play with that toy right now, but you can play with this other toy. And that's authoritative in the sense that you're taking the reins and you're mentioning this is how it's going to work with this situation. But the authoritarian model is completely different. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit, Didi. I know the way I was raised, you know, my 
my mostly my father made the rules and you followed the rules you just and if you broke the rules you knew you broke the rules and and that's what was addressed it wasn't it why you broke the rules it wasn't you know how <laughs> next time you're going to do better it was just you broke the rule and so that was that was that was it his word was law yeah, don't break the rule. You just don't break it. Yeah, and, and you just it, don't break the rule. It just there, makes life easier. And there's no need to really have a discussion about it. It's a rule. Yeah, it's a this rule. This is the exactly. way rules work. You don't break them. You don't debate exactly. them. You just don't break them. Yeah, you I don't know, care but... why you broke it. Just don't do it. <laughs> That's really really harsh when you think about it, especially for young children. You know, our parents reacted to our struggles with kind of harshness and criticism. And it's funny because Dr. Becky talks about how we have like our body has a memory of this even when we're we're really young and there's this kind of evolutionary premise here kind of going back to the science the clinical psychology part of it and that is that we get our sense of worth from the way we are the way our parents react to us so i learn to doubt my goodness when i'm having a hard time because um my my parents responded to me with that I wasn't a good person, like I didn't behave right. So all of a sudden my sense of worth is lowered. And I guess what I'm trying to say is when you have a parent who feeds you and who gives you protection and keeps you safe, you just take your cue from them because, you know, it's it makes sense that you're not going to do something on purpose that's going to break that relationship because you're dependent on them, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, as an adult, I meet my own struggles with self-blame and self-criticism. And my child, when he acts out, activates that same circuitry in my body. And then I'm compelled to react with harshness to my child's struggles. So my child learns to doubt his goodness when he struggles. And the whole circuit, like, repeats itself. Absolutely, which is why it's so wonderful that parents are trying to break that circuit and 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 parent in a new way. Um, you know, they're really working on building connection. Yeah, I agree, and that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, connection, relationship over control. It's not the same as permissive parenting or unparenting, where the kids just kind of like rule the house. You know, they it's different than that. Maybe you could talk a little bit about parenting strategies that, you know, have been used in the past and some of them have some downfalls. They all do, right? There's no perfect Absolutely. parenting. There is no perfect way to parent. If there were, we would not have as many therapists in the world as we do. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're all doing the best we can. And, you know, one of the things that struck me when I was reading Good Inside uh, was not only the the way that it fostered connection with your children and helped them have a positive image of themselves. But the philosophy in it is really how we should be treating all of the people in our lives. Yes, I agree. You know, I I just finished watching uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and I was thinking about George Bailey. And uh, for any of you who've seen that movie, I feel like everybody's seen that movie, right? It's, it's all over the place during the holidays. Um, but anyway, he was like the perfect example of that. He was full of kindness. He, he, he gave people the benefit of the doubt. He, when Mr. Gower hit him in the head, when hurt his ear, he said, Mr. Gower, I know you didn't mean that. You, you know, you've had a really hard time. And he was 
thinking about other people the whole time. It was just like the whole movie is an example of kindness. I don't know if it's because I just read Good Inside, but when I saw the movie, I was like, that's good inside stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They, so the, it, it actually hit on some of Dr. Becky's strategy. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that she talks about. This book is rife with information. Did you find it? It was a little bit heavy, didn't you think? Absolutely. And I have to admit, I skimmed quite a bit of it because there were a, a good portion of the book, which is fabulous for parents, is how to handle specific misbehaviors yeah. or specific situations, yeah. the, you know, with scripts and dialogues for for those situations. And I, I didn't find that to be something I needed to read right now. But the beginning of it and the the depth of how to work with people, you know, how to yeah. treat people um, was, was fantastic. Yeah. So one of the first things she talks about is the most generous interpretation, the MGI, which is basically thinking the best of others, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's when you, when your child says something, because they're good inside and because you're good inside, you're going to have a generous interpretation of what they're saying. So, you know, when they scream, they hate you, you're going to say, you're going to think, I know they don't hate me. Mm -hmm. They're just really frustrated right now or really angry right now. And, and you don't react to their words. You react to the to their uh, their emotional state. Right. And, and actually, uh, just and I think it happened this morning with you and, and me, right, Mike? We were talking and I said, no, that's not the most generous interpretation of what I said. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> I mean, so it's yeah. actually been very helpful for us as as we continue to grow as a couple. I mean, the other thing that I found really helpful was this two things are true. Um, why don't you explain that a little bit? You know, this is this is such a such an important thing for all of us to remember that just because we believe something doesn't mean there can't be an entirely different interpretation. And and it's not just the two sides of the coin or two, you know, two sides to the story. It's that you can have two truths going on at the same time. Yeah. You can believe one thing and someone else can believe another thing and neither one of you has to be wrong. <laughs> right. So if a child is playing with something and you're saying, yes, I understand that you want to have this toy, but right now we can't have that. And I'm my job, for, and this is a whole nother thing. My job is to keep you safe, so you can't do that. I know you want to do that, and that is true that you want right. to do that. But I have to do this because I'm your mommy, and I have right. this thing is true as well. So right. I think that's that's where we're getting at on Great. that. Um, yeah. And then the last one is one of the one. It's not the last because she does talk about a lot of other things. Is that our job is to keep you safe? Now right. I was talking to Michael about this, and I think this is really interesting. Um, I mean, how do you think that's different than in past generations where parents did still want to keep their kids safe? Well, there's never not been a time when it wasn't the parents' job to keep us safe. But right. 100 or 200 years ago, you know, it, it, life on the prairie or life on the wilderness or life in an agrarian pre-industrial society, man, if you didn't do exactly what I told you to do and do it quickly, it might kill you and it might kill you quick. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And depending right. on the the situation, it could kill other members of the family really quick. 
So it's always been our job to keep you safe, and it's seldom been our job to have to explain it to you. Yeah, we we were talking about this because we were like, this is so interesting. This is like, what did we call it? Parental privilege or something? Or po- no, post-industrial, post-industrial parental privilege. privilege. Yeah, that we have the time to say, you know, we're going to do this now, but you know, you you actually have a time to have a conversation about that as opposed to don't lean over, your hair is going to get caught in the mill or whatever. <laughs> you, know? you expected obedience immediately. And I think that's just really interesting because maybe that's where this is all coming from. This is like a whole new world of parenting and the authoritarian world happened in pre, pre-industrial times and it just kind of spilled over that circuit that we talked about. And nobody's really given it the thought, oh, wait a minute, we might actually have time to explain and have to talk to our children about why they're doing something or not to do that. Absolutely. And it gives them a lot more um, opportunity to develop themselves and their their own judgment and ability to control themselves. It, it's true. I mean, there still are things I think that you have to be like, okay, don't jump out in front of that subway car. I mean, absolutely, that has to happen immediately. There's no, we're not going to have a detente about it. <laughs> no conversation needed in the, on that one. Just get back here. Exactly. So there's so much more in this book, but I think just those things maybe would whet your appetite. It's also a chance for us to confirm to our adult kids that we care about the way that they are looking at things. And that's what your uh, whole, that's what your whole blog and everything is about, right, Didi? It is. And you know, it's it's so important to learn about how and why our adult children are raising our grandchildren. You know, they have different methods and reasons. And sometimes you know, sometimes we're not even going to understand why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. We can try to, but whether we understand it or not, we need to respect it. The absolute worst thing we can do is to just roll our eyes at whatever strategy they're using and just continue to do things the way we think we should. So mm-hmm. even short of that, you know, short of an eye roll, there there could be a, a kind of a chill in the air. You know, there there could be confusion. There could be a, a sort of a hey boomer moment of a, a kind of an unwillingness to get with the program. I, I can really relate to this because in my imagination, I. Uh, this is where I see my parents if when we were parenting our little ones, Emily and I, if we had laid this on the table for them to try to get comfortable with, I think that definitely would have been – there would have been a chill in the air. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, really that's also – I mean I remember when we – even with car seats, we were – like they wanted to go to church with our kids and they wanted the kids to drive, ride in the car with them without and the car seats. Because they weren't set up and we were in a hurry and it would have been a lot of effort to strap them in. And we definitely got eye rolls over that. I mean, <laughs> Michael's parents were like, what? It's only down the street. It's not that far. Why can't we just do it without the car seats? And the irony <laughs> is that there's a rule. Actually, there's a law. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but even any of that, that kind of eye rolling or looking at your kids like the you know cross-eyed, that's a real recipe for disaster. And maybe even estrangement. You know, I, I, I worry about that. So, you know, I, I can speak from experience that when I started to wonder about this new movement and then I asked our adult kids where they were coming from and how I could learn more about it, they were so grateful. That's one of the things that I try to share with grandparents. Don't wait for them to come to you to say, I want you to learn this. 
Yeah. They're not going to most of the time. Right. They're gonna maybe push back a little against uh, against something that you're doing if it's really crosses the line. But for the most part, they're just gonna wish that you did things differently uh, or wish that you would understand. And so any grandparent who takes the time to learn about these things will get the reaction that you did, Emily, and and their kids will be so grateful. Yep. I mean, that is how you foster connection with your adult kids. And then by extension, you become better grandparents to their children, and it all works out really smoothly. So if you're having rough patches, give it a thought. Make sure you look at what Didi has to offer. You know, Didi, thanks so much for joining us. We'll, we'll have materials and links on how to access your stuff on our show notes. If you're interested in hearing more about this subject, go on over to Didi's blog, More Than Grand. And uh, you can, I think... There's going to be a blog post of mine, my own personal experience as a child of very strict parents, coming up pretty soon, right? That is right. We're going to have that. Uh, there's also going to be a review of the book, Good Inside. And then I'm also going to have a blog post with some just a little bit more information about gentle parenting. Oh, good. I, You know, I just wish I could get Dr. Becky on here, but I, th- I think she'd be proud of us. I think she'd be okay <laughs> the way that we're, you know, thinking through this and being open. In fact, I think there's a, there are a few kind of moments in her book where she mentions that this, this is not just for parents. This can be for grandparents. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Dee. It was great to have you on. It was wonderful to be here. Thanks, you guys. Let me just say that I am grateful for the good parts of what my parents did. They were not monsters. We all love our children and want the best for them. And at that time, I think they believed they were doing that for me and raising a good, contributing, compliant member of society. I mean, most of us do our best as we parent, and we need to give ourselves and our own parents as much grace and mercy as we can. That's my generous interpretation of the subject anyway. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thank you for joining us in Living the Grand Life.